Hi, everybody, and welcome to Martin Van Dyke Undercovers. Well, doing the morning drive show here in Ann Arbor, that means I get up extra early, and that means I must have several cups of coffee to get rolling before I get on the air. And you probably have to have some form of caffeine yourselves, whether it's coffee, tea, Coke, Mountain Dew, five-hour energy drinks, Red Bull, or all of the above. The new book by Murray Carpenter is all about this additive that flows under the radar and that most of us are addicted to in some way, shape, or form. The book is called Caffeinated, How Our Daily Habit Helps, Hurts, and Hooks Us. It's a compelling compendium of facts and figures on this largely unregulated drug. I had just ingested a venti two splenda latte when I talked to Murray Carpenter recently, and I started off our interview by asking him, how does coffee work? How does caffeine work? Why do I feel so good when I drink it? Well, and, and I, I should say, I've, I've got a cup of coffee in my hand as well, so I'm, I'm just about ready. And what, what caffeine does is that the primary mechanism is that it, it blocks a neurotransmitter called adenosine. And adenosine is, is a neurotransmitter that tells your brain, it gives your brain the message that you're tired, that you're fatigued. And uh, caffeine has the ability to, to uh, it looks enough like adenosine that it can sit in those neuroreceptors and not let adenosine get through and give your brain that message. So th- that's the, 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 the way it does most of its work. And in doing this, it not only makes you feel uh, less tired and more alert, but it, it, it often just makes you feel good. It, uh, you, you know, people associate caffeine use with, with sort of a sense of, of optimism, uh, an improvement in their mood. So th- that's the way it, it, it does its magic. What, what compelled you to write a book about uh, one of my favorite subjects here, caffeine? Well, I, I, I'm a coffee drinker. I, I love caffeine. I've, I've been using it for a number of years, and I, I just think that caffeine, we consistently underestimate caffeine, uh, its role in our daily lives, its role in commerce, and uh, the, the physical and mental effects it can have. And I, I, I just thought it was a much more interesting uh, drug than, than we, usually, we usually expect. So I, I thought it would be a good subject for a book. How far back does does uh, caffeine coffee drinking is is that the earliest way we took caffeine? Was it coffee, Murray? How far back does this go? It, it goes a long way back, and and I was able to visit an area in in uh, on the border of what's now Mexico and Guatemala on the Pacific coast, where they have the earliest evidence, or the earliest physical evidence for the human use of caffeine. People in that area were consuming frothy chocolate drinks, and of course, chocolate uh, cacao—the bean that, that we used to create to make chocolate—is caffeinated. And they were doing that 3,500 years ago. Uh, tea drinking probably has been uh, going on for about the same amount of time. Coffee, surprisingly, is is, is a newer arrival on the scene. Uh, coffee. Probably coffee use only dates back maybe 1,500 years in uh, Eastern Africa. But uh, in the early days with coffee, people, he, people weren't brewing it uh, as we do now. People were just simply chewing the, uh, the coffee berries. Mm, mm, mm. Bring us up to date here. Coffee, tea, Coke, Diet Coke, Red Bull, nine, five-hour energy drinks. Which of these would you say, I mean, I know they are in varying quantities, but is one much more powerful than another in terms of the caffeine blast that we get? N- none of this stuff is really regulated. You can't really find out how much caffeine is in a typical drink, whether it's coffee or tea or a five-hour energy. Why is that, and which of these would you say is the strongest? 
Well, the, the, the regulation question and, and, and the labeling question is, is tough. And part of the reason it's tough is because uh, coffee, for example, which is the way that most of us get most of our caffeine, the, the caffeine levels in coffee can vary dramatically. So that makes it tough to put a number on it. Mm. Uh, but some, some people have tried to do this. Uh, and, uh, and additionally, uh, bottlers of Coke or energy drinks are not required uh, by, by federal regulators to list the amount of caffeine that's on the, in their products, that they add to their products, although some are starting uh, to do that. So um, it, it, can, it can be tough to, to quantify the amount of caffeine you're getting. Now, uh, in terms of how to get the, the, what's the strongest caffeine kick, really uh, of, of the, of the uh, drinks or caffeinated items you mentioned, coffee tends to pack the, the strongest punch. Um, some energy drinks are, you know, approach the levels of a, a medium-sized cup of coffee, but a large, strong cup of coffee, like from Starbucks, will give you uh, more caffeine than most energy drinks or uh, five-hour energy shots or things like that. No wonder I'm uh, addicted to going to Starbucks or one of my other coffee shops every day because it, it does pack that wallop. Caffeine in, in very high doses, you write early on in your book, Murray, is lethal. I, I guess I was kind of surprised by that, but I, I'm not in danger of uh, killing myself by having a couple of large uh, lattes every day, am I? No, and it, one of the good things I mean, about caffeine, and one of the reasons, obviously, that's popular, is that there's a, you have to work hard to, <laughs> to take a lethal dose. So you, you'd have to you'd have to be drinking, uh, you know, twenty or thirty of your large cups of Starbucks coffee all at once to get a lethal dose. But in its pure powdered form, when uh, you, the, the kind of caffeine that's blended into soft drinks or energy drinks or any of these other caffeinated products, you know, the caffeine itself in that pure form is quite powerful. So uh, all you're probably getting in a, in a good cup of coffee would be maybe a sixteenth of a teaspoon. And one heaping tablespoon, which is about 10 grams of the caffeine powder, uh, that would be a lethal dose for, for an adult. Mm-hmm. When did coffee uh, consumption peak in the United States? I was a little surprised at your some of your uh, writing about this. I, I keep thinking, I guess mistakenly, that coffee is so popular with the rise of Starbucks. And I mean, just here in Ann Arbor, there are so many great independent coffee shops as well. But coffee is not the, the biggest drink here in the U.S. or anywhere, is it? No, I mean, and, and that's a, that shocked me, really, to find this out. So coffee consumption peaked in the U.S., uh, the per capita coffee in consumption somewhere probably around ni- the late 40s or early 50s, around 1950. And uh, ag- again, with, with, with the uh, Starbucks uh, all around, with all the independent coffee shops, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, it's easy to think that we drink more uh, coffee than ever, but we don't. And I, I think the way to, to, to help to understand this is that uh, in our grandparents' kitchens, I think they had cup, you know pots of coffee going all day long, and the break rooms in every office had pots of coffee going. I mean, there was just more coffee and fewer other uh, beverages competing with coffee in those days. So you didn't have the the Coke machines everywhere, and um, energy drinks, and eat, and the the beverage of choice tended to be coffee, and so. Uh, coffee consumption really took a dive from about 1950 onward until about 15 years ago, just as uh, soft drink consumption uh, peaked. 
uh, or, or climbed. And uh, the specialty coffee movement, the, 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 recent, uh, the recent gourmet coffee trend, has helped coffee to recover some of its ground, but it's, it's nowhere near uh, as abundant as it was in our grandparents' generation. I'll resist the temptation, make the coffee and ground pun, which is uh, sitting right in front of the plate there. But uh, were GIs uh, responsible for the for a lot of coffee drinking during World War II? Did that contribute to uh, the the rise of coffee drinking through the forties up until about nineteen fifty, Murray? I think that was possible. I mean, there was certainly a lot of coffee consumption in the army, and yeah. I mean, the army has and 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 for for decades earlier. Interestingly, also, uh, the, the marketing of Coca-Cola to soldiers was one of the, reasons, one of the things that contributed to its growth. So, uh, and, and this is sort of tangential, but there, there is uh, a, a lot of research about caffeine use that's uh, based on its applications for the military because um, caffeine can, can help soldiers to, be, to, to remain vigilant uh, in, in times of sleep deprivation or stress. Hmm. I thought I had read somewhere that, that tea drinking was originally way more popular than coffee drinking in the U.S. right until the Boston Tea Party. And that's when Americans kind of shunned tea drinking kind of, you know, philosophically because of the Boston Tea Party. And we switched over more to coffee. Is that true what I've read somewhere? Well, I, I think there, the, the trends did change right around that time okay I, and and I, but I think it's probably somewhat overly simplistic to 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 attribute it all to some sort of patriotism or anti uh, British sentiment uh, the other thing that was going on at the same time is the tea trade was of course uh, controlled by England and so as we you know as we entered the revolution it was harder for us to get tea and it was easier for us to get coffee which was available to our south in brazil etc so uh yeah there there are um there there were some changes that went on but it but it wasn't simply due to uh i think a patriotism or an anti-tea sentiment Hmm. What are some of the, and this is interesting, are you writing about this, what are some of the unexpected places that we find caffeine? We know all the obvious ones, but there, there's quite a few that are not so obvious, right? Yeah, there are. I mean, I, I th- one of the things that, that surprised me a little bit, I, I think we understand the caffeine, everyone understands the caffeine's in Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola. Most people understand that it's in Mountain Dew, which has sort of marketed itself as a you know, stimulating beverage. I was surprised that it's in orange soda and Sunkist. Uh, huh. But yeah, yeah. So Sunkist has a moderate amount of caffeine, more than a Coke, but less than a Mountain Dew. Uh, headache remedies, uh, Anison, Excedrin. Uh, caffeine is a, a key part of their their um, their ingredients. I mean, ca- caffeine can can really help to alleviate head- headaches in some people. So that's another place that people really don't expect to find caffeine. And then, of course, in this new uh, era, I guess, of, of uh, energy products, of, of course, we're, we're seeing caffeine, I guess, not so much in places you don't expect it, but in, in forms you wouldn't expect to see it in. What would you say is the most surprising thing that you encountered in all the research you did on your new book? Boy, that's a great question. I, I guess I, I think what surprised me most is the sort of uh, ever-growing variety of uh, caffeine delivery mechanisms. So I have a shelf in my office that where I've been collecting these products for, for the past couple of years as, as I did my research. Uh, I have blue diamond 
almonds that are that are caffeinated. I have coldies, you know, the kind of uh, cold remedy yeah. that's, caffe- that's caffeinated. Uh, I have a, a topical spray, spray on the skin, that's supposed to deliver caffeine to you. I have a caffeine inhaler. Uh, this is in addition to the energy shots, gel strips, melt on the tongue gel strips, chewing gum. Uh, I picked up some caffeinated chocolate uh, by the uh, cash register at a convenience store the other day. There, there just seems to be no limit to the number of products that caffeine is, is being incorporated into these days. When I was uh, growing up, uh, oh, there was, uh, you know, the, the warnings, oh, don't have more than two cups of caffeinated coffee a day. It'll make your heart race. It'll make your blood pressure go up. Now I hear, you know, things that it may contribute to uh, uh, forestalling or even preventing Alzheimer's. I mean, I'm hearing, I've heard everything across the board, and I like to tell everyone, uh, and not so many people seem to enjoy coffee, especially younger people, and I always chide them and go, coffee's a health food. Caffeine's a health food. Get get with it. Am I I right? Is is it a health food? You know, it, it, I, I think you could probably I, health food may be playing a little strong, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean I think so. So uh, there there are some obvious uh, problems associated with too much caffeine use, as you mentioned. You know, if your heart's racing and, and pounding in your chest, you probably had too much. If you can't sleep, you may have had too much caffeine. Uh, if you're anxious, you may have had too much caffeine. But yeah, you know, if 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 you if you are comfortable and you're not experiencing any bad symptoms, there seem to be a number of health benefits that are associated with the consumption of caffeinated coffee. So, uh, a health food, uh, a beneficial drug, sure. The uh, another thing that's surprising to me in your book, Murray, is just how I mean, caffeine. This is a drug, correct? Caffeine is. A drug, and yet it is pretty much an entirely unregulated through, throughout the world. It, why? Well, how? How did that come to be? Most other drugs, cigarette, you know, tobacco, alcohol, heavily regulated, but but not caffeine. Why? Yeah. Well, and, and for, well, first of all, it, it's uh, it's in really a different category than just about any other drug, except perhaps nicotine, as you mentioned, because it is used throughout the world. And it's used daily by most of the adults in the United States. So, you know, automatically we're looking, it's, it's in a, we, we have to place it in a different category than most drugs. Uh, it's, 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 it's a drug that's been used uh, daily by most people. And it's different, I think, than cigarettes because it doesn't have that strong, you know, caffeinated coffee use anyway doesn't have the strong uh, health consequences, the significant health consequences that smoking uh, cigarettes have. And yet, certainly, if uh, one were to, and I dread the thought, if I were to try tomorrow morning to not have any coffee, or I, I, would, I would be experiencing, uh, for me, some pretty severe withdrawal symptoms. You too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's you know, people ask, is it, is it an addictive drug? And, and clearly throughout the book, I, I, I use the term addictive and, and addiction to describe uh, the drug and, and the use of, of, of the drug. But I, I think we, you can modify that by saying it's, it's mildly addictive. And one of the consequences of that is, yes, if, if you abruptly stop using caffeine, if you're a regular caffeine user, you'll experience a number of uh, very predictable withdrawal sim- symptoms, and, and one of those is that classic uh, caffeine withdrawal headache that you mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
What do you see the future? Do you, do you mind like jumping forward 20, 10, 20 years? What, what, what do you think will be the most popular form of how we take our, our caffeine through the day? I mean, it seems like Red Bull is so incredibly popular and these five-hour energy drinks, which uh, are so popular here. In fact, I think the, the first five-hour energy, it's called that, was founded here in, in Michigan. What, what are we going to be doing in 20 years? Are we just going to be uh, you know, snorting caffeine like cocaine or putting it right on our skin? Does it does it even absorb through the skin? Is there other tr- other methods of transmission that you see might be really popular in another decade or two? It's a great question. I I wish I had the imagination to to see down the line to know what it because uh, it, it, imagine you know twenty years ago we didn't envision uh, this the, uh, this range of energy drinks and and five hour energy shots particularly. That, that are that, that are so uh, swamping the market right now. I'm not sure what what form it will take in the future, uh, but I'm I'm sure of this: caffeine will be part of the uh, the American diet for for quite some time to come. I think it's just uh, too pe- people love caffeine and have for thousands of years, and I think we will continue to. Uh, I would also say I think coffee will remain a, a big part of the the caffeine. Our, our caffeine diet, I should say, because uh, despite the popularity of these other products, coffee just seems persistently to to be uh, people. People just love coffee. <laughs> 